1: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. We are moving forward into the off season for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And even though we're still a little sad, that the buck season is done that does mean we can turn our attention to the offseason but more specifically the nfl draft so you are in for a treat pewter people and bucks fans, because we are dropping the official first seven round bucks mock draft of the 2024 draft season brought to you by pewterreport.com and sr i'm your host matt matera joined with me i just mentioned his name he's the face that runs the place at this publication scott reynolds scott you've been working diligently very hard and it's out for public viewing for the pewter people now you ready to get into this mock draft
0: yeah, yeah, I am. It's it's always exciting to to do these mock drafts. The first one always sucks because you don't have an idea <laughs> of which free agents they're going to sign or re-sign in this case, but Matt, I think we have a pretty good indication which Buccaneers this team wants back in terms of free agents, right? We talked about it yesterday. We'll talk about it until they're until the the ink is dry on the contracts. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans. Antoine Winfield Jr., Chase McLaughlin, Levante David. Those five are the players that the Buccaneers are really targeting to re-sign. Now, some of those players, they might end up testing free agency. You might see Mike Evans not get re-signed until free agency starts. Maybe he gets a new deal before then, but who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if they let some of these players test free agency to see what kind of offer they get, bring it back to general manager Jason Light, and assistant GM slash capologist slash uh, cap Jedi <laughs> Mike Greenberg to to match, and uh, and then go from there. And that's why free agencies before the draft. So you fill some of those needs, you re-sign some players, you add some new ones, and then you attack the draft. And Jason Light, Todd Bowles, John SpyTech, Mike Beal, Rob McCartney, all those scouts—they've done a great job over the last two years, Matt, of filling a lot of of holes. And finding some starters, 10 starters, in the last two drafts when you include Trey Palmer, the team's number three receiver in that mix. And, of course, Jay Camarda, who's one of the league's best punters, was a fourth-round pick, kind of mocked when it happened. But, man, Jason Light nailed a punter, and he is indeed a starter. So that's 10 starters. They're going to need a couple more, Matt. And uh, we have a couple of of suggestions for the Buccaneers here. This is the first of our five mock drafts, you and I, Josh Capo, Bailey Adams, Adam Slavon. We're going to be in Mobile, Alabama this time next week at practice, looking at the Senior Bowl uh, talent there. And one of the guys that was there at the Senior Bowl last year that caught our eye was Yahya Diaby, who ended up being a Buck's best bet in our final uh, draft uh, analysis leading up to the draft and became a Buccaneer. Yeah, and one of the
1: best things, Peter people, maybe you're new to Pewter Report or kind of getting more into the off-season draft coverage that Pewter Report does. Nobody is better in the game than predicting who the Bucs may pick at each position than SR Scott Reynolds. Each year, he does a Bucks best bet at every single position, and nobody's perfect. No one can get every single one. But the person that gets damn near closest to it is Scott. And you mentioned Yaya Diaby, someone that we talked about during the Senior Bowl last year. Cody Malk was a big guy on our yep. radar that we talked about at the Senior That's Bowl. Right. So when we go to the Senior Bowl next week, we will be highlighting all the big plays. We'll be paying a little bit more attention to areas of need of the Buccaneers. Don't get me wrong. It'll be very exciting that Michael Penix Jr. is there at quarterback and yeah. Bo Nix. But that might not necessarily be the route that the Bucs go we'll still get into plenty of what they do but it's exciting to see other positions that the Bucs um, are going to watch so um, stay tuned for all of that next week at the senior Bowl. I'm very excited for that and uh, one last thing that you kind of brought up at the beginning of this with letting some players um, go and talk to other teams there's been a precedent for that with the Buccaneers most notably at cornerback for uh, just I think it's more of a coincidence than anything else, but Carlton Davis, they did it a That's couple right. off seasons ago and they did it with Jamel Dean last off season as well. So don't worry, Bucks fans. You're probably going to hear Mike Evans has spoken with the Houston Texans. Mike Evans has spoken yep. with the Kansas city chiefs. There's going to be plenty of that chatter with multiple guys. I'm sure you'll hear it with Levante David as well. Right. That doesn't mean that they're going there because they don't go until Jason Light says. That, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and so, you know, you look at, at – um, um, we had a little bit of news, and we'll talk about that uh, first today. Um, some stories on PeterReport.com. The Buccaneers did re-sign, what, 14 players to futures contract? They did. Today? Yes. Yeah. And one of those guys was a player who behind the scenes was really making a lot of noise, and that is um, Jose Ramirez, the team's final pick in the 2023 draft. You know, he's one of these players that was on the practice squad the entire way, and you know didn't have the the rookie season obviously that Yaya Diaby did because he was yeah. on the practice squad and actually Marquise Watts was a player that kind of came in and beat out Ramirez for a spot on the fifty three but they liked him so much they actually kept six outside linebackers including Ramirez on the practice squad he's one of those guys Matt who were some of the other players mostly these players uh, were were essentially the practice squad from the Buccaneers last year but but some very familiar names uh, if you've if you followed uh, Tampa Bay's practice squad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they, uh, they signed 14 players from their practice squad to Futures contracts. The only ones they didn't were um, Derek Pitts and Deidre Sanat, who ironically, those are two of the guys that got like the most quote-unquote playing time on the active roster from uh, from the practice squad. And right. Deidre sonat has been there for two seasons. But a lot of guys on offense, um, offensive tackle, Silas Dancy, O lineman Luke Haggard, wide receiver Cephas Johnson, who's got insane size, Patrick Laird, the running back, Ryan Miller, Logan Sternberg, um, Stenberg, sorry, and the, the other two big ones, Tanner Tala, the tight end, and David Wells, uh, the tight end as well, no pun intended, and rally Webb at wide receiver. The tight ends I think are the big ones to kind of pay attention to. Um, Tala did some big things in training camp and yeah. could compete for a roster spot this year. And Wells got a couple, a little playing time. Last year as well. Defensively, Jose Ramirez, you mentioned, friend of the program, been on the show before. That's right. Keenan Isaac, another guy I think I'd pay attention to in training camp because he could actually take the ball away, which has been yeah. a little bit of an issue with Bucks Corners, but he also got burnt on a lot of big plays as well, so you got to eliminate that. Richard LeCount and Quandre Mosley. So those were the 14 players that were signed to futures contracts. We'll see. You know, that can always get shuffled around at – at one point or uh, another. But obviously the Bucs are spending a little bit of their time looking forward yep. to uh, the future of this team. Now, will this future include Dave Canales mm-hmm. as their offensive coordinator still? Uh, Kyle Miller is kind enough to give us a $1.99 super chat. And he says, hashtag keep Canales. I think all Bucs fans would want to keep um, Dave Canales, but it might be out of their hands. You know, If Dave wants to expedite that process of being a head coach, it's really not much the Bucs could do about
0: it. Yeah, well, and the thing too with Canales, and the reason why the Panthers are so, you know, hot on his trail is because of the relationship that he has with Dan Morgan, who's got who got promoted from the assistant general manager spot to the general manager position in Carolina. Dan spent he's a former uh, Panthers linebacker and former Miami Hurricane, but really spent from 2010 to 2017 in the Seattle front office in the personnel department. Mm-hmm. So. He knows Canales. He has seen him up close and personal on that practice field, in the meeting rooms, et cetera. He knows this guy is a star in the making. And the interesting thing is is sometimes you think these guys aren't ready. That's what Kevin Demoff thought about hiring Sean McBay, right? He was a young guy. Still, still is. I think he's still the youngest coach in the league, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's incredibly young. Um, and and we even saw that in Tampa Bay with the lasers, Matt, when they – they didn't want to let raheem morris go and that was part of the decision making to to jettison john gruden even though gruden had just signed a massive contract extension before the 2008 season then you had the 9 and 3 start that dissolved into a 9 and 7 finish and the bucks didn't make the playoffs that year so they liked raheem morris enough to make him their head coach at age 33. Now, Raheem Morris is 47 years old. I- I'm confident that when Raheem Morris gets a head coaching job, the next go-round, he is going to be so much better. But he's still got that that uh, effervescent personality, the enthusiasm, mm. uh, the energy that you need, and really reminds me a lot of Dave Canales in so many different ways, uh, or sh- I should say so many similar ways. And, um, and, and, and Canales is 42. He's not 33. He's young, but he's not – really young he's just young in terms of being a play caller Matt but you know what this is a guy that got better and better as the season went along yep. had two really good games I thought in the postseason arrow is pointing up for Dave Canales
1: it absolutely is and that's what makes it even worse I mean it's not, it's a good thing but what would be worse is if he ends up becoming the head yeah. coach of a team such as Carolina that's in your division and you would right. have to face twice a year I would still give the edge to the Bucks right now given the roster that they have and uh, you know what they did last season. But obviously a big thing with Canales as well, and we'll get to the super chat from Bucks Basement. Thank you, uh, Bucks Baseman, is, like, what does that mean for Baker Mayfield as well? Yeah. Like, if Canales leaves, does Baker want to come back to the same team, similar players, but a new system? Or does he want yeah. to go to the system, and then you kind of figure it out with the players? But thanks to Bucks Baseman for the yeah. 499 super chat, who says, the Canal situation is serious how are we going to get continuity from year one to year two? If our offensive coordinator is gone, why would Baker come back to learn a new offense? So the Bucks baseman follows that up. Thanks again for this dollar 99 super chat with canal situation is why defensive head coaches doesn't work. Yeah. Th- I mean, that is a knock against defensive coaches is all right. You bring in an offensive guy. Right. And then if that offensive coordinator succeeds, it likely means that they become a head coach uh, sooner right. rather than later. And, yeah, I mean, it is a domino effect. I think we talked about that a lot last year when the Bucs were still searching for an offensive coordinator. It's like, all right, what is the domino effect of you bring in this guy? Um, who do they resign? Who do they bring in at quarterback? Do they draft a new quarterback? Does that offensive coordinator like Kyle Trask? Oh, now do they like Baker Mayfield? Um, a lot of moving parts. But again, do we know if Canales truly, truly wants to take over the Panthers' job, which is like a big time? rebuilding yeah. process that still remains to be seen
0: yeah well yeah, especially when you have an owner and david tepper who is is probably the quickest trigger finger yeah of any owner maybe in nfl history i mean didn't even let frank Reich get to halfway through the season he was gone and uh, and has already gone through what two head coaches two interim coaches right now he's looking for a, another head coach and so if you're dave canales yeah there's only 32 jobs it's very appealing but man that Panthers team is—they're a long ways away from being competitive, and and I think whoever steps in there, you're just setting the table for the next guy because you might get some incremental wins. You might go from two wins to four or five, Matt, this year. But at some point in time, David Tepper is going to continue to churn in head coach, and uh, and I think they're probably two two head coaches away from having Tepper be fine with a guy getting the yeah. Panthers to maybe eight or nine wins. We'll see.
1: Yeah, they still got a ways to go to get out of the mud. And uh, we're going to get to the first mock draft momentarily. But we got a $20 super chat to get you from Richie P. Thank you so much to Richie, who says he's doing his own little mock draft right here. First round, cornerback, best available. Second, uh, Jackson Powers. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Third round, Darius Robinson, a defensive end out of Missouri. Yep. Parentheses, two-year captain, violent. One of his go-to moves is to forklift someone. Yeah, will be at the Senior ball. Richie, I love the, how you're uh lining up this mock draft for the Bucks. I encourage uh, anyone else that wants to give their mock draft as yeah. well. If you super chat us, we'll put your mock draft up right. on the page. We're <laughs> very happy to do so. But Richie, uh I, I like where your head's at, especially with uh the center position and getting an, e- an edge rusher, because yeah. those are two positions the Bucs certainly are going to be looking at this offseason. No
0: doubt, no doubt. And you know what? If this team does cut Carlton Davis and that's a possibility then cornerback might be one of those positions too because you need Matt you need three starting caliber corners how many times does Zion McCollum have to step in yeah for the injured Jamel Dean or the injured Carlton Davis this year I mean he was he started more games than either one of those guys and played more snaps right and so and, and he was the number three corner so it just it, it's kind of crazy but if Carlton Davis, if the team wants to save some money and, and and looks at the production versus how many games he misses due to injury every year, and just says you're not worth the fourteen million dollars, which which I, I think could happen, then Zayma Collins a starter and Jamil Dean's a starter, but then you need that other guy to come in and and be a starting caliber cornerback. So that makes a lot of sense there. But you know what? Without further ado, let's let's get into to our our mock draft here, right? Because uh, Jason Light. Todd Bowles, I'm sure they've already taken a look at Peter Report's initial mock draft. Uh, and I've already taken some notes. No, I'm just kidding. Those guys know exactly what they're doing, along with John Spitek, Mike Beal, etc. Uh, but let's let's start off with the edge rusher position, Matt. We, we've talked about how uh, Shaq Barrett likely going to be gone. Uh, I think they're going to part ways with them sooner rather than later. And it's not going to really create cap room, but what it's going to do is it's going to allow the team to move on without having to pay him a, a bunch of money in in base salary this year. So you're saving some cash for the Delays by doing that four and a half sacks coming off the Achilles. He's going to be 32 next year. Mm-hmm. He's just not worth the money anymore. And so their bucks are actually going to take a larger cap hit, accelerate some of his money that, that he's due in, in, uh, in, in forthcoming years and void years and, and, uh, accelerate that money, and and take a larger cap hit this year, but they're going to free up the roster space. And, and I think that Joe Tron Shawinka is a player who's not going to get the fifth year option. They'll let him play just like Devin White on his his contract year. Um, they did pick up the fifth year option for for Tristan Wirfs last year. But I don't think they're going to do that for Joe and Shawinka, who was the first round pick in the 2021 draft. And and so it's a contract year for him. And right now, I think he's probably penciled in as the starter Opposite Yaya Diaby, right, with Anthony Nelson as the number three. Mm-hmm. But you're going to need somebody else that can get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. Matt, we saw the edge rushers just not show up in Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we saw Kalaja Kansi Vita Bea combined for 11 of the team's 17 pressures. And that's just not good enough. So our initial pick for the Buccaneers, alabama Outside linebacker. He was a defensive end slash edge rusher, but he'll play outside linebacker in Tampa Bay. Chris Braswell. Now he doesn't have the the name recognition that that a couple of other Alabama Crimson Tide edge rushers had. You had Will Anderson Jr., who was you know one of the, the top picks in this year's draft, mm-hmm. and, and he um, you know he was the the Lombardi winner. He was the the Lot Impact Trophy winner. He was the Chuck McNary winner. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And and the other guy, oh, yeah, Dallas Turner. (laughs) He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year this year. And Turner is expected to be a top 15 pick this year. So it's no surprise that Braswell was only a part-time player, a role player uh, in his 2022 season because he's playing behind, you know, a, a top five pick and a top 15 pick. But when he did get the chance to play this year, He really came through uh, in in spades for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and and I think he outplayed Dallas Turner in some of those games. I really do. Um, After having 20 tackles, four tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and a forced fumble in 2022, he had 42 tackles, eight sacks, three forced fumbles, an interception, and a blocked field goal. And what I like about him is, is he had an 87.9 pass rush grade from PFF with a very good 80, or sorry, 18.2% uh, pass rush win rate. And it wasn't just the sacks he put up, 10 quarterback hits and 33 hurries along with uh, three forced fumbles. And when he was around the ball, the ball came out. There he is sacking Joe Milton from Tennessee. He had an interception that he turned into a pick six in a game. Very good athlete. Uh, very good speed to power. And he's even a factor in special teams. He blocked a, a field goal last year, and and also blocked a punt against Mercer during his his first year at Alabama. So Matt, this is a player that I think can come in. He's not as heralded as some of these other pass rushers, the Braylon Trice, the mm-hmm. the uh, the kid from uh, LSU, uh, Leo Latu, Um, but and certainly Dallas Turner, but. I think this guy with more playing time can really be a good pro because he just had to bite his time at Alabama.
1: And you know, what's interesting is that was uh, not comparing the two, but that was a little bit of what we had talked about last year at the time with Yaya Diaby of a player that has all the tools, all the intangibles, but hasn't played as much football and hasn't started at that level that maybe you would want someone uh, a bit more polished. So I really like this pick. You talk about the athleticism. He's a violent player as well, which I always think the, the Bucks defense could use a little bit more yep. physicality and things of that nature. But outside linebacker in this Bucks 3-4 de- defense with a Todd Bowles defense, they have to be athletic because Todd Bowles yeah. drops them back in coverage. And, you know, if Shaq's out of there, I still like the depth overall yeah. in outside linebacker, but it doesn't mean it can't get better. Like you right. talked about, just not being able to get home with the four-man pass rush. They could do all the fun, exotic blitzes until the cows come home. Yeah. There was a, a great video by Ben Solak that you quote tweeted as well, yeah. where uh, the Bucks against the Lions, they had a bunch of different things. They had Vita Bay go outside <laughs> and a couple outspeed guys go inside. Um, Amon Ross, a Brown was still wide open over the middle of the field, and he just (laughs) happened to drop it. It wasn't because of pressure generated by the Bucks. So you like to have that
0: to deter Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I really like this pick. Anytime you get a player that you know comes from Alabama, you know that moving to the next level while it's still big for everybody. The lights will never be too big. Alabama plays Brian branch, man, right? Brian branch, Brian Branch. (laughs) Brian Branch's rookie. His first game as a rookie had an interception off Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. I think it went off a
0: player's hands, but regardless, get back the for a pick six. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. Now, now the other thing too is is uh, you know we're we're kind of anticipating Braylon Trice being gone. We're anticipating Jared Verse being yeah. gone. Yeah, the Bucks
1: picking what 26? 26, Yeah, yeah. 26. So there's gonna be a lot of good players off the board.
0: Exactly. So the the question here is is uh, what I take Chris Braswell over Chop Robinson from Penn State, and uh, you know the, the the sack production wasn't there. I don't think that Robinson was while well, he flashes, he's got a great burst. He he can dip and rip. He can get under tackles. Uh, he's He struggles to finish a little bit. Like, he'll get back there in pressure. But I've seen quarterbacks that have stepped out of his sacks. I've seen running backs that have escaped his grasp. The grip strength on Chris Braswell, to me, gives him a little bit of an edge over Chop Robinson. I wouldn't mind either. guy. I think either guy's a really good fit in Tampa's scheme. And who knows, in our, our next mock, We might have Chop Robinson in there, but as this starts, you know, things off right here for for our pre senior bowl uh, mock draft, we're going to go with Braswell, who, by the way, Matt, will be in Alabama for the senior bowl, along with this next guy in the second round. One of my absolute favorite prospects, one one of Josh Capo's favorite prospects as well. In the second round, we're talking about center. Jackson powers, Johnson, this guy reminds me and look at him. He looks like Ryan Jensen, right? Look at that build. Very (laughs) similar guy. And, and I think plays with that tenacity. He's a tone setter up front. He spent uh, most of his time playing guard uh, before last year, where he was a wire to wire center played over 800 snaps a center. And he's a bully. He's a bully in the middle. He's what this team has missed without having Jensen in the lineup. He's not the most Agile and athletic guy, but he can get to the second level. He can get out on screen passes, and when he does, he's out for blood. This guy is an absolute mauler in the run game. He's a very good pass protector. He's only given up, whether it was at guard or center, Matt, he's only given up uh, one quarterback hit, no sacks in his career, and and that Oregon offensive line is known for their pass protection. So Tampa Bay wants to, to throw it. This guy can step in and be a day one starter in the second round and supplant Robert Hainsey. And maybe they go out and get uh, a center in free agency or maybe they go out and get one uh, or get a guard and they're drafting a guard in the second round. But this guy can play guard or center. And I like the power, the tenacity, the toughness, the aggressiveness he plays with, Matt. And uh, we're going to see him, Jackson Powers Johnson, at the Senior Bowl also next week.
1: Another important thing from this Buccaneers offensive line that uh, Powers Johnson brings is, you know, getting to the second level, like you said, and just having athleticism. I mean, we've talked a lot about how Tristan Worf is, is very athletic for playing offensive tackle. And Cody Mauck is a guy that really excelled at getting to the second level over uh, in college and obviously trying to do it uh, in the NFL, too. I mean, I still remember when Rashad White had that screen pass for a touchdown several weeks ago. Cody Malk was the guy running with them uh, stride for stride. So bringing in another center, a physical guy, or if they want to bring him at guard as well. I think it's important to remember the Oregon offense, while still very flashy and super, super productive, it wasn't like your finesse style of Oregon offense back when like Marcus Mariota was playing. This is a group that could get it done in multiple ways running the ball, throwing it, screen passes, and getting over to that second level. So, um, you know, you're very high on this pick. Josh Capo is very high uh, on this pick as well. Really good uh, PFF grades, especially at, at pass blocking. And yeah. I don't think it's any secret the Bucks need to upgrade, really on the interior in general, but specifically right. at center with Robert Hansey And, you know, Hansey even going – As the backup center or the first backup guard off the list, like that's pretty good depth. Like Hainsey as your top backup, I really, really like. Just don't love him as a starter for 18 games in the season. So clearly a a need that that gets addressed and makes a team – better overall. and We've seen some offensive linemen come in and, and be able to excel right away. Like Cody Valdez yeah. started every game. Mm-hmm. Joe Tipman of the Jets just got yep. first team all uh, all rookie team. So you can get by with a rookie center mm-hmm. at the helm. And if, if he ends up going to the box, that's that's what Tampa Bay will try to do.
0: You just have to worry and wonder, does he show out in Alabama to where yeah. he's, he's not there that late in the second round, that he's an early second round pick, or maybe even sneaks into – the bottom of the first round where a team like maybe Miami, who I think they're going to maybe make a, a change yeah. there. goes in that direction. So it's one of those things are sometimes it's funny when you're a talent evaluator. I've talked to enough GMs and scouts. Um, they're fine with guys not showing out at the senior bowl because, right. <laughs> because then all of a sudden you get that, that rocket ride effect of, of going up the draft boards. And, uh, and if you're picking in the middle or, or the late round uh, part of the round, I should say Um, you get really worried when guys show out at the senior bowl because, uh, you know, it, it can really put some of those players that you really like out of reach.
1: And not the exact example, but remember Brian Branch, who we were talking about early earlier on the show, didn't yeah. really test well at the combine. Right. It didn't have a great 40 and yeah, I don't His know who would impact and who did it, but he dropped in the draft and it was yeah. surprising. He went to the second round. And Anyway, uh, we got a super chat from Ryan Giles. Thank you, Ryan, it, Ryan for this 499 you. super chat who was asking, do franchises actually make coordinators promises, such as being the successor of the current head coach? If so, do you think the Bucks do that with Dave Canales?
0: I don't know. Um, I think in certain situations, maybe that was the case with like Jared Mayo with Bill Belichick. Yeah, but but Mayo was was a Belichick guy. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. It's a, Todd Bowles was a Bruce Arians guy, which is why he got the gig. But Dave Canales has only been with Todd Bowles for one year. And and so while it makes a lot of sense, the problem is just the timing, right? I mean, Todd's 60. He's not 70. He's not coaching until 70. But there's 10 years to play with between 60 and 70. What happens if Todd wants to coach five more years, right? And what if he has some success in Tampa and remains head coach in five more years? Guess what? And Matt, you know this, Dave Canales is going to be gone. He's going to be gone next year to somebody if he doesn't replace Todd here in Tampa, whether Todd steps down or whether this team stumbles out of the gate and they make a switch. Um, I, I think Dave Canales is getting some interest and some buzz and some interviews this head coaching cycle. And if he doesn't take the Panthers' job, then he's going to go somewhere, I think, next year and be a head coach.
1: And most of those succession deals or whatever you want to call it, it's with like Belichick's older than Todd Bowles. And he had been with the Patriots yeah. for 20 years. Balls just completed his second year as head coach. Right. I know he's been there for a little bit longer, but when he started out as a DC in, in Tampa Bay, he doesn't have the gall to be like, oh, when I'm eventually head coach, you'll be <laughs> yeah. the next guy. It just doesn't really work that way. Right. It's also worked terribly at times, most famously with the Jets and the Patriots. And Bill Parcells was going to hand it over to Bill Belichick. but Then Parcells decided, oh, I want to coach again. So sometimes it can get sloppy as well. Maybe that's just a Jets thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's too early as much as every Bucks fan would want it. Too early to have a a handshake agreement behind the scenes between uh, yeah, between Todd Bowles and and Dave Canales. But sticking with Canales, uh, thanks to Paul, aka Florida Dreamhouse, for this five dollar super chat. And of course, going with Baker Mayfield too says, uh, Baker would rather learn a new system with the same players versus a new system with new players. If Canales leaves, Mm -hmm. Baker won't, in my opinion.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, and maybe the Buccaneers keep it in-house. I know that that Todd Bowles is very, very fond of quarterbacks coach Thad Lewis and had him stick around to, you know, to, to be the, um, the quarterbacks coach where he was an assistant receivers coach last year. So, or the, the previous year. So maybe Thad Lewis with one year knows the playbook. He's a very bright guy, former Duke quarterback, Yep. Very bright guy. He could probably take over if they stay in-house. My guess is it would be him. Because you're going to have Brad Idzik, the receivers coach, go with Dave Canals. Go with Canals.
1: Probably uh, be the offensive coordinator.
0: <laughs> probably be offensive coordinator. Maybe not the play caller, but but have that title, right? Yeah. Where, just like where Brian Callahan was the offensive coordinator but didn't call plays in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I, I agree. So maybe Thad Lewis is the in-house candidate or maybe – Jason Light and Todd Bowles go outside the organization and maybe do some interviews, Um, but we'll see. But speaking of wide receivers, let's go with a wide receiver for the Buccaneers in the third round. Another guy its going to be at the Senior Bowl. And honestly, one of my draft crushes, a guy that I've watched ever since the 2022 season when he burst on the scene, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. And it's it's no coincidence that a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown just torched the Bucs twice this year and two losses to the Lions. Now, I'm not saying that Malachi Corley is, is a carbon copy of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, but at 5'11", 205, he kind of has a body type that's kind of Chris Godwin, kind of Debo Samuel, kind of Amon Ross St. Brown. Maybe he doesn't have that, that quick twitch, that start-stop. Ability that Amon Ross St. Brown has, but this guy will make you miss. He played mostly in the slot, but he can play outside as well. He Caught more screen passes for more yards than uh, than any receiver in college football. And while, you know, that's kind of a gimmick play in the NFL, wide receiver screens. It was more of a staple at Western Kentucky. What it allowed him to do was, was get into the open field, make guys miss, break tackles, slip tackles. He is an incredible competitor, a tackle breaker and a guy that, uh, that is very elusive, has really good run-after catch ability. And that's kind of something that we really haven't seen that much of from Chris Godwin yeah. in terms of, of that ability ever since the knee injury. And when you look at, at the production, some of this is that manufactured um, you know, uh, screen game at Western Kentucky, so take that with a grain of salt but when you look at at 101 receptions for 1295 yards almost 13 yard average 11 touchdowns and then the the next year which was last year 79 catches for 984 yards a 12 and a half yard average and 11 touchdowns what i look for is the consistency he did he wasn't a one year wonder he did it in back to back seasons this is an orange city florida native who i think would love to come back to the state of florida and he's just an exciting player and we're going to have a chance to see him at the the the, the combine, and at, well, the combine, yeah, but at the Senior Bowl. But Matt, one of the things too is he may not blaze a fast forty-yard dash time, but that that was the case with the Monron Saint Brown coming out of college too. That's why he was a day three pick. And I think this guy here, he's not the four-three-three speed demon guy that that Trey Palmer is hitting those home runs and getting behind defenses. But he's a guy that once he has the ball in, in his hands, he can make you miss, pick up yards and and break some tackles and, and rip off some big gains.
1: And that's exactly what the Bucs need. I, I know you already said he's an exciting player to watch. I'd also throw out entertaining. <laughs> he's entertaining yeah. to watch. And that's not why a team would, would uh, draft someone. Right, But the yards after the catch was a big em- emphasis for the Bucks heading into the season with Dave Canals. Yeah. And I thought they were okay to good at it, but I definitely think that there's room for improvement with yeah. those yards after the catch. We saw how important it was when David Moore had that touchdown against Green Bay or in the playoff game against right. the Eagles and how big it was when Trey Palmer did the same mm-hmm. um, against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, I, I'm with you on that. Getting Corley in the slot, I don't care that – his four three might not be this because he's got the game speed and the game speed is, is more important than anything else. So if the box can have another guy that a defense has to go, Oh my God, don't let him get the ball because he'll break a bunch of tackles. And you already still have to worry about hopefully Mike Evans (sighs) and uh, you know, Chris Godwin has a bit of a, a bounce back year. Mm -hmm. I like that. They'll have the speed. They'll have size, hopefully with Mike Evans and, um, and then a, a true, a uh, tackle breaker like Corley to mix with someone like Rashad White as well, who can get it yeah. done uh, in the passing game. So, well, yeah, and
0: the, it, yeah, to yep. say the thing too is is he he's going to have a chance at the Senior Bowl to really you know impress some people. Uh, Puka mm-hmm. Nakua was a player at the Senior Bowl last year that that went from maybe being almost undrafted to a late draft pick, yeah. and 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 was a tremendous pick for the uh the rams this year i mean he was a pro bowler he set rookie records so a little bit of a similar play style at, at puka nakua you know um so i'm just saying as as a, as a middle round pick this guy and listen lightning struck you know before the third round for the buccaneers in 2017 with chris godwin so yeah this is kind of that same area where where tampa bay might uh, find another uh big time receiver and malachi corley
1: yeah, I just feel like the Bucs offense is a weapon or two away from truly reaching that next yeah. level. And, you know, in the past, they you mentioned Godwin in the third round. In the past, they've gone with other receivers in later rounds, whether it was Scotty yeah. Miller or uh, obviously Trey Palmer right. on this team. Um, and you've had varying degrees of success. So I just love that you have the Bucs taking a, a receiver in the third round and yeah. kind of adding to that. Um, the other right. position I would love the Bucs to get, uh, is addressed in a couple of other rounds, so I won't give anything away just yet. Yeah. But yeah, Corley in the third round, I think that's going to be the darling of um, of the Bucks draft if they are able to obtain yeah. him. I think a lot of people are already really excited just based on reading the chat. A lot of people
0: would yeah. love that pick. Yeah. Tom says, I'm surprised Scott didn't mention drafting Ben Sennett from Kansas State, the tight end. Well, as a matter of fact, we have Ben Sennett in the fourth round. For Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay drafted Kate out in the fourth round. And, and I think that while Kate had a really good postseason with what 13 catches, um, you know, well over 100 yards and the yeah. touchdown against the Lions had some drops. Uh, if you look at, at, at his first two seasons in Tampa has yet to hit a 10 yard average. He's just under that. There are some physical limitations with with Cade, where I think Cade is, is is a tremendous tight end, too. I think he's one of the best tight end twos in the league. But as a tight end one, I think the Bucs can do better. And, you know, Dalton Kincaid from Utah would have been a fantastic pick. Obviously, the Bucs loved Sam yeah. Laporta, uh, and they weren't able to draft him. So, but it's that type of guy that I think you, you strive for in the draft, you know, trying to find that next Kelsey, that next – Kittle, that next Hawkinson type guy. And I'm not saying Ben Sennett's that guy, but I think he's in between that that realm and K and I think he's an upgrade. And is this a homer pick? No. There are plenty of Kansas State players I absolutely have not pined for, yep. I have not uh, stood on the table for, or even mentioned in years past. But this is one of those guys that, that I, I will – and uh even though this may sound like sacrilege, if he had a KU helmet on, I would be pining for for Ben <laughs> Senate from KU. But thankfully he chose the right school, which is Kansas State. What you're getting with Senate is a real red zone weapon and a guy that can get some of those yards after catch. He is a tackle breaker. He will drag you. He's got a little bit of of the playing style of of like a poor man's Rob Gronkowski, in that he rarely goes down. He's got really good contact balance to drive through tackle attempts. He averaged 14.4 yards per catch in a breakout year in 2022, 31 catches for 447 yards and including four touchdowns. This past year, he was K-State's leading receiver, 49 catches, 676 yards, 13.8 yard receiving average and six touchdowns, even though he was more of a marked man this year and drew a lot more attention. But he is a better blocker in line and also on the move as an H back. He can also play fullback. He can do a lot of things. He's kind of a chess piece where I think Cade, again, has some limitations. I'm not knocking Cade. He's a good player. But I think Ben Senate would be more of a tight end one for this team and, and I think brings more in terms of yards after catch, red zone weapon, and a slightly better blocker to where if, if this is your one-two punch with Ben Senate and Cade Otten, you feel better about that in 2024.
1: Yeah, I that was the other position, obviously. I truly think the Bucks need another tight end just to really balance out what they have with Kate and even a more sure handed receiving tight end. Because we've seen Kate on, yes, when he's wide open, he makes the catch. But anytime yeah. there's coverage on Kate Otten, it seems that he struggles a little yeah. bit. So um, you know, Coke, that tight end, I don't think provides much. Payne Durham. I like him more as the third string than I do a second string tight end. I like Payne Durham maybe at the goal line, um, but you obviously have to get to the goal line to be in those situations. So that'd be a very fun pick, uh, another entertaining pick. There are not many things that get the juices flowing for SR like Kansas State football. But one of those other things Mm -hmm. is Celsius energy drinks and more specifically the new celsius essentials which you can start getting today there are 270 milligrams of caffeine in these celsius essentials and there are no sugar in these cans or any celsius energy drinks they're the ultimate energy drink line by celsius celsius formulated for the fitness enthusiasts looking to elevate their performance Uh, they have three essential aminos gives you an unbeatable combination of ingredients to help you be at your best uh celsius essentials are available at 7-elevens nationwide you can get the three flavor variety pack over at walmart and they're rolling out nationwide to select retailers and soon enough you can get them over on amazon so check out the celsius essentials check out all the old school flavors of celsius whether it's the sparkling orange sparkling watermelon or arctic vibe maybe the strawberry lemonade Um, if you need to know where to find a celsius energy drink go to the celsius store locator punch in your address you find them at all your local convenience stores. And maybe, if you're lucky, you can get one at your bodega.
0: Bodega.
1: And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you want more and you want to get them in bulk, you can get them in bulk. Go back to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. Get that variety pack of fries, spice of life. And have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. You're in charge. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've we've seen the Buccaneers in this mock draft start off with an edge rusher and and then really attack offense to continue to bolster that side of the ball, and and again we'll see, folks. This is just the first mock draft. We still have to yeah. hit free agency and all of free that.
1: Free agency will change a whole lot, but no you know doubt. we see people do mock drafts like before we even hit January. So yeah. part of it's all in good fun. Part of it's obviously a very realistic approach to. Um, to, to how the Bucks will attack this yeah. year's offseason and the draft, um, but yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Things will change.
0: Yep, Th- this is a good question here from Brandon Riley. Sr. I know you're a defensive minded guy, but how can you not put O line at the top of the draft order? Imagine how much better we'd be, uh, we- we'd have been if Baker Mayfield wasn't constantly running for his life. I understand that, but at the same time, it's it's the value proposition as well, right? Maybe maybe a, an offensive lineman like like Graham's uh, or uh, Duke's Graham Barton play tackle but probably will, will move inside to, to guard he might be a, a decent pick at, at the that number 26 spot but it's finding the right guy and and maybe maybe Jackson Powers Johnson blows up at the senior bowl and and is a first round caliber player when it's all said and done maybe he tests well athletically and and he's the first pick right so I'm not saying that but Jason Light has mind the second round and the third round for offensive linemen right whether it's it's Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet in the second round back in 2015. Uh, whether it's Cody Malk this past year in the second round, you look at Alex Kappa in the third round, Robert Hanzy in the third round, that seems to be kind of the sweet spot for those offensive linemen. I know that the Tristan Wirfs was a first round draft pick. Don't mm-hmm. don't think I've forgotten about Tristan, but the Bucks were were picking in the top 15 that year and, and and they're a little bit further out of reach there. And and they don't need to tackle. And I think tackles. They they're, they're have more value than guards and centers do, and that's why you see tackles getting drafted so high. Every once in a while, you've got a, a Quentin Nelson and players like yeah. that that are special. But typically, it's the tackles that go in in the the first part of the draft, and then the guards kind of fall down. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I do know Joe Trynshewinka first round pick, Vita bea first round pick, Kalas Jacanti first round pick. Jason Light is all about the trenches. What's the trenches. offensive side? or the defensive side. Uh, So I would not be surprised with Todd Bowles still being the head coach that he wants to get another edge rusher and Jason like quick to pull the trigger. JTS plateaued at four sacks, four sacks, five sacks. He's, he's not that down in down out consistent pressure guy. So you got to hit the reset button at the position and Chris Braswell, if he's there, chop Robinson, Braylon Trice, those are some names to keep in mind. I don't think Jared is going to fall that far, but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, but offense or defensive line. Yeah. I think that's where they're going to go in the first round. That seems to be Jason's MO.
1: I just, I still remember last year at the combine when we got to speak to Todd Bowles and Jason light before they go up at the podium and speak to the general public, Jason light. Uh, I, I don't have this quotes verbatim, but it was something along the lines of if I could, I would draft 10 offensive lineman yeah <laughs> there's something along those lines <laughs> yes exactly he loves building in the trenches um on, on offense and defense and the defensive yeah. line could look a little bit different this year I mean yeah. Greg Gaines was on a one-year contract and Will Golston was on a one-year mm-hmm. contract and Greg Gaines obviously has a connection with that defense with Vita being a Washington Husky yeah. and the Washington pipeline that they have there Right. And um, the JTS2, and you, you know, know, Will Golson's been there for a long time, but there's no guarantee yeah. either player right. will be back. So, those are some rotational guys that mm-hmm. do get playing time, and the Bucs may have to address as well. So, yeah, that- and,
0: and Greg Gaines was actually a better pass rusher than Raheem Nunez Rochez was, yes, had, had very much. Several so. sacks this year, uh, as a rotational, it's not defensive the brotherly tackle. shove
1: part of history, <laughs>
0: that's right. Yes, uh, dirty red here with the uh, I would love to see Todd Bowles get to work with with Robinson from Missouri. He's talking about Darius Robinson, who's, who's a big dude. Darius Robinson is uh, 6'5", 290 pounds, but chiseled. Th- this guy's got a different body type, almost like, like Nathan Shepard, a defensive tackle, where he looks more like a gladiator than, than a defensive lineman. Um, I, he's kind of an angular player. He's a three four player, but really was, was a down lineman more than a true outside linebacker, and edge rusher, if you will. But you know, Robinson was a good player. 14 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks at Missouri. Forced a fumble, had a fumble recovery. Uh, I just think that when you look at outside linebacker and what the Buccaneers need, Matt, they need juice. Yaya yeah. yeah, yeah, Diaby is a fast guy, but he's more of a speed to power power player. They want that lightning get off. They want a guy that that can you know that can bend the edge. Yes, uh, and and get to the quarterback uh, in an instant because the passes. They're coming out quicker these days. There's, there's yes. not many seven-step drops anymore, right? So you got to be able to get there and pressure and hit and sack the quarterback. Chris Braswell, I think, is more that guy than a Darius Robinson.
1: And also have the size too, because yeah. don't like someone like Cam Gill has the speed, but he doesn't have right. the size. So you yeah. need that. You need that that perfect combination, which obviously is easier said than done. Yeah, but that's what this whole process is
0: about. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, something else that's easier said than done is also finding a house, right? When you need to to sell your house or or buy your house, um, the guy that you're going to want to draft, in my opinion, is Eric Gross from the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. Now, the thing about Eric that, that I think sets him apart from other realtors is the fact that he's a relationship guy. He's not just, uh, you know, some bloodthirsty guy that's looking to make a commission on on the transaction. He wants to get to know you. He wants to find not the perfect house for you, but the perfect home for you, the right neighborhood, the right community, the right part of town. And he takes the time to get to know you and your wants when you're looking for a house. Or if you need to sell, he's got that market research at his fingertips that can get you the best price on your house. Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, they've done hundreds of transactions this crazy real estate market. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader and a Tampa native. His dad was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. Give him a call. Have him be the guy you turn to when you want to buy or sell your house. 513-907-4271. That's his number. 513-907-4271. Even better. Go to housesinfla.com That's housesinfla.com Check out their inventory. You can also find out when their most recent open houses are going to be on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. So let Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off your home buying or home selling experience. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Make sure you visit housesinfla.com. Scott,
1: this uh, this next pick that you have in the mock draft uh, kind of goes back to one of the pipelines that the Bucks have. They've drafted a fair amount of players We're signed a fair amount of players from this school um, over the past couple of years. And I think uh, these guys might be happy again, bringing in a a, a fellow player from the school.
0: Right. So we had the fourth round pick, Ben Sennett from Kansas State, the tight end, but no fifth round pick because they used a fifth round pick last year to trade up to get Trey Palmer in the draft. Mm -hmm. So they're without a fifth round pick. They will have an extra seventh round pick as a compensatory selection for losing Mike Edwards and free agency. There's a formula that, that shakes out in terms of which free agents you gained and which free agents you lost. And if you lost more than you gained, then you get a compensatory pick somewhere between rounds three to seven. Mike Edwards was not that big of a loss, so the Bucs got a seventh-round pick as it stands. So no fifth-round pick, but in the sixth-round pick, the Buccaneers go with a cornerback, Sebastian Castro, out of Iowa and sebastian castro played opposite cooper Dijon uh and you know w- was a, a really kind of a breakout player for iowa kind of bided his time a little bit in terms of of um, you know having to uh, wait to see the field he was a rotational player the year before so he's a little bit of a one year wonder back in 2022 33 tackles three tackles for loss five pass breakups two forced fumbles no interceptions but he did have a sack but this past season, he was a full-time starter, 67 tackles, eight tackles for loss, three interceptions, including a pick six of Wesley Chapel's own Rocco Becht, who played at Iowa State and was a hell of a freshman quarterback this year. He had eight pass breakups, a sack, and a forced fumble. So he's around the ball, and when he is, the ball comes out, and he's he's a, a tough player, 5'11", 205. Iowa defensive backs, like Kayvon Mer- Merriweather, Merryweather uh, Iowa offensive linemen like Tristan Werps, Iowa tight ends like yep. pretty much every tight end. Florida, they put yeah,
1: Hawkinson. Yeah,
0: they're 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 just tough It'll. players. They're tough, and and that's what this guy brings. I think that he can play nickel corner, and my guess is I don't think they're going to have the money to 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 resign Jordan Whitehead. I don't know if they're going to draft the safety. If they do, it might be in rounds one through three. But in this mock draft, we have them taking a nickel corner and maybe moving Christian Isian to strong safety. I've heard that's that's being contemplated. That was more of his natural position at Rutgers. Not that he didn't play well at nickel this year, Matt. He was a wire-to-wire starter. But you know what? Antoine Winfield Jr. was better at safety than he, he was at nickel corner. Maybe Christian Isian becomes more of a playmaker at strong safety for the Buccaneers. Got a very similar build to Whitehead and maybe Sebastian Castro is a guy that you that you stick in there who's more of a natural corner in the slot
1: yeah and Izzy had started out hot if you remember he had the interception against yep. the Vikings and made some big plays early in the season and with anything else I love the hustle of Christian Izzy so I think I that'd be too. perfect to to move him to a strong safety he's not afraid to stick his nose um uh, on any big play and the way that Todd Bowles loves to use safeties, I, I don't think it would hurt to put a guy that naturally played that position. You bring yeah. in Castro. We talked about the depth that's so important yeah. to the Bucks in the secondary, regardless of whether or not Carlton Davis uh, is here next season. Thanks to the Callum Show for this 1999 Super Chat. We appreciate yeah. it. Who says, thanks so much for all your time and effort covering this team. Appreciate your content it, you. through the year really helps me stay informed and entertained through the season. Can't wait for more draft coverage. Outside linebacker or cornerback in round one, please. Well, once again, yep. appreciate the the kind words. We try to keep you entertained, and we very much yep. try to keep you uh, informed throughout the year. And the draft coverage is just as much fun as the uh, in season coverage um, as well. And yeah, outside linebacker. That's that's yep. where we went with first overall draft pick.
0: Well, yep, and we're seeing a stuff. lot of these guys uh, in the mock draft. As a matter of fact, the first four picks, Senate. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, Malachi Corley, and Chris Braswell, they're all going to be in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. At least right now, they've committed. Some of those guys end up backing out, or you know, they end up getting injured, dealing with something like that, and, and they they end up backing out. But as it stands right now, at least four of these guys in the mock draft will be at the Senior Bowl. Maybe uh, Sebastian Castro is there. Maybe he's at the East West Shrine game, but but uh, appreciate that, uh, Callum, very much.
1: Yeah, Callum um, Shaw. Sorry, I, I pronounced yeah. the name wrong. Callum Shaw, my bad. Yeah. But appreciate the Super Chat so much.
0: So uh, with Baker Mayfield having so much success, right, it didn't seem right to have the Bucks pick a quarterback in the first round because he's not going to see the field. Kind of a waste of, of a pick there. And we know how you feel about second-round quarterbacks, right? Uh, you Kyle Trask people, so <laughs> – Uh, We waited a little bit and maybe the Buccaneers changed their mind and they pick a quarterback like, I don't know, Michael Pratt from Tulane, maybe in the middle rounds. But in this particular mock draft, we have them waiting until round seven to go with uh, Sam Hires from Samford. He's got some experience playing against the likes of Auburn and Georgia. Didn't exactly fare too well because, you know, it's Samford. But this is a player that's a bit of a prolific passer. Put up some really good numbers over the last couple of years. He's very similar from a size standpoint and kind of a playing standpoint to Baker Mayfield, 6'1", 2'15". I'm not a huge fan of the shorter quarterbacks because they tend to have some passes getting batted down. We've but seen that you know enough what? with Baker. We've seen that enough with Baker, but at the same time, you look at, at uh, you know John Wolford, who's also another vertically challenged quarterback yeah. on this roster, and it just seems like they like guys that, that have good touch, good accuracy. A quick processor in terms of, of uh, between the ears, and, and enough mobility to work those bootlegs and, and play actions, and that's kind of what hires can do. He had uh, 3,544 yards passing in 2022 for Sanford, 36 touchdowns, four interception. That's an eye catching ratio right there. Cooled off a little bit his last year. 3,056 yards, 18 touchdowns, eight interceptions, but he is a big-time scrappy competitor, and we'll see. It's it's a you're going to need another quarterback, I think, because Trask's contract is going to be up, and we don't even, we don't even know what this guy can do, right? Yeah, we like, haven't seen him play. So what's
1: his market like? Yeah, I don't think other teams are going to be after Kyle Trask. Does he does he resign for a year? Because hey, I've been here, and yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> Who
0: knows? Maybe, maybe. A uh, question here from uh, Alex Scott. Does Peter Report send any, anyone to the East-West Shrine Bowl? Um, no. We used to cover it when it was here in St. Petersburg. Yeah. That was fun because we got to cover both the Senior Bowl and Mobile and then right here in our backyard. Uh, you know, it, and and that was fun. The, the problem is, is uh, you've got. You know the the travel because I think it's in Texas now. It was in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was and... in
1: Vegas for a bit. Seems yeah. like they've moved it a pretty fair amount.
0: Yeah, long lost laser. What about Jason Bean from Kansas? Would love to see Canals work with an athletic freak. Um, yeah, he went to KU. <laughs> I saw him play. He's not a bad quarterback. I think he's he's. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, here's another one too. I like John Reese Plumley as a late-round quarterback. He went to UCF. Um, I would prefer the UCF quarterback over the KU quarterback, a little bit <laughs> of a personal bias in there. Uh, but, but that's the quarterback we have for now. To, to end out our mock draft with our, our other seventh-round selection for Tampa Bay, this is one of my absolute most fun sleeper picks, my, one of my draft crushes. Jaden Sheridan from Monmouth. He is a small school running back, kind of like Chase Edmonds coming out of – I think he went to Colgate. and yeah. <laughs> um, And so th- this oh, was – Oh, Chase a,
1: Edmonds went to uh, Fordham. Yeah. Fordham,
0: sorry. Yeah, Fordham, Colgate, yeah, those smaller schools. Yeah. Uh, so you have this kid here, Jaden Sheridan. He is lightning in a bottle. It stunned me that the Buccaneers and other teams didn't draft Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina last year. And, you know, all he did was average 8.4 yards per carry for the Ravens before yeah. he hurt his knee. <laughs> But this kid is—he had 14 of his 26 touchdowns from 50 yards or more. Obviously, you're not going to have those big wide open alleys to run in in the NFL. But his first step is just instant acceleration. Ran for 1,700 yards two years ago, 1,400 yards. He's an FCA All-American and in the seventh round, five foot nine, 195. Reminds me a lot of Keaton Mitchell and just a fun player to watch. Needs work on his hands. He's a developmental guy. Probably not a kind of guy that's going to come in. And be the number two guy, but maybe that change of pace guide like a chase Edmonds and maybe competes with Sean Tucker to, to eventually be number two, but I think he's a good number three. He's, he's an exciting player that you can kind of scheme for maybe a little screen pass. Um, But adding more speed to the backfield, never a bad thing.
1: Yeah. I actually know someone that went to uh, Monmouth college, Monmouth college and uh, Todd Bowles from New Jersey has an affinity for uh, some Jersey people. I never think it's a bad thing to add more running backs, especially when you look at the running back room for the, uh, for the Buccaneers, at least yep. heading into this off season, never a, uh, never a bad thing to have some choices with that room. And kind of like how it's never a bad thing to have some choices to make over at underdog fantasy, use the promo code pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R to get a first deposit bonus when you sign up with the app. You can use it for football with the conference championship games coming up, but you can use it for all different sports as well. Pick anywhere from two to five players. Win up to 20 times your money over at Underdog Fantasy using that promo code Pewter. By the way, guys, if you're not already doing so, please follow us on our social media on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. And, of course, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We got great content, the podcast four times a week, various shows, various clips, and uh, all different fun stuff. So please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a comment below. Um, Even when this episode is done, um, helps with uh, growing the Pewter Report YouTube channel, which uh, just got over 13,000 followers. Can't thank Mm -hmm. you guys enough for that. Yep. Uh, we're about to end today's show we've got some fun topics coming up over the next two days some accolades for the buccaneers on the offensive and defensive side of the ball MVP, most improved rookie of the year pretty good discussion on the defensive yep. side of the ball we'll be doing all of that the rest of the week for our shows on wednesday and thursday so that'll do it for us on today's show great mock draft we'll have more coverage of it So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.
0: Out.